Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Carrie Nolan. It's Monday, September 9th, and time for WQXR's Washington Report Online. Joining us now, as he does every week, is Chief Washington Correspondent for the New York Times, David Sanger. Good morning, David. Morning, Carrie. David, this week may be one of the biggest domestic and foreign policy challenges President Obama has yet faced. He's scheduled no fewer than six network television interviews today, and he's going on national TV tomorrow night to urge Americans to back an intervention. If the vote for an authorization in Congress were held today, would he get it? If it was held today, Kerry, I don't think he would. Uh, Certainly not in the House. He might in the Senate. Uh, But uh, the vote isn't being held today, and what you're seeing is a pretty remarkable uh, rollout of presidential persuasion uh, at a level we have not really seen since the health care bill was being pushed through three years ago now. And even then, he didn't put the level of urgency to it that he is in this one. It does raise the question about why a president who has really declined to speak about Syria very much in the two and a half years of the Civil War, the deaths of more than 100,000 people, Uh, is now uh, going to try to bring the entire country up to speed on the horrors that have been unfolding there. But previously, of course, the president did not want to get himself into a position where he had to act. Now he believes that moment can't be delayed. And, of course, the chemical weapons issues, as we've discussed before, are something that he feels uh, very deeply about. Administration officials have argued that the U.S. needs to intervene on humanitarian grounds to stop the use of chemical weapons and to secure American interests in the Middle East. What argument should we expect to hear from the president? My guess is you'll hear both, and that may be part of the problem that the president has been facing. The humanitarian uh, case that you can make is compelling and it truly pulls on the heartstrings because it is a real horror. Over the weekend, you saw the Senate Intelligence Committee put up on their website some of these awful videos of the people who were hit with the chemical weapons attacks on August 21st, and they're truly horrifying. The problem the president faces is there are many horrors in the world, the North Korean gulags, uh, things the Chinese do, a series of massacres we've seen take place in Africa from Rwanda forward. And the, the case the president has to make is why the United States should choose to intervene in this one. And that's an argument he can only make about national interest. Now, when you're making a national interest case, you've got to show that there is some kind of imminent threat to the United States. And the difficulty he faces with Syria is that while there's an imminent threat to American allies, he can't make the case that uh, these kind of weapons would be used against the U.S. on American soil, uh, at least by the Syrians. And so he's got to make an argument that the U.S. has an interest in making sure that Syria doesn't become the kind of breeding ground for al-Qaeda that Afghanistan did more than a decade ago. He'll be speaking to the country, of course, the night before the September 11th anniversary and the first-year anniversary of Benghazi. You reported on Sunday's New York Times front page that Syria obtained its chemical stockpiles over the past 30 years from many sources. Who were they? Well, Kerry, they started with the old Soviet Union. Uh, Iran was a big contributor. When the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, you saw a bunch of uh, corrupt Russian generals, some of whom were in charge of dismantling Russia's 
own stockpiles of chemical weapons uh, turned to help uh, the Syrians. They also brilliantly exploited a lot of loopholes in the rules that regulate how you send precursor chemicals, the things you make chemical weapons from, uh, around the world. Syria is one of the very few countries that is not a signatory to the Chemical Weapons Convention. And as a result, they were subject to a number of sanctions by about 40 countries who organized themselves into something called the Australia Group. But the fact of the matter is that those rules were obeyed sometimes, eluded on, on other occasions, and it enabled Assad to build up one of the world's most fearsome chemical weapons stockpiles, uh, rivaled really only by North Korea's. So it's a sorry tale of sanctions that were well-intended but largely didn't work. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you. New York Times Chief Washington Correspondent David Sanger. I'm Carrie Nolan, and that's The Washington Report on Classical 105.9 FM, WQXR.